The story goes that in 1977, a very lonely songwriter poet named Doogie McLean wrote the song Caledonia because he was so homesick. And it's a ballad about going home to a place of love. He wrote, I don't know if you can see the changes that have come over me. In these last few days, I've been afraid that I might drift away. And I've been telling old stories, singing songs that made me think about where I came from. And that's the reason why I seem so far away today. And then his chorus, which when you look on YouTube and you see his concerts, it's when the crowd stands up and starts to sing. Oh, but let me tell you that I love you. And I think about you all the time. Caledonia, you're calling me and now I'm going home. But if I should become a stranger, you know that it would take me, it would make me more than sad. Caledonia, you've been everything I've ever had. My understanding is that kind of became a theme song for a generation. But yet when you feel the homesickness, that something is missing, you know that it goes beyond just people thinking about Scotland. And when I was thinking and hearing this on YouTube and listening to it be covered by a number of different groups and finding my favorite one that is basically a very acoustic rendition. Because sometimes, like a lot of songs, they can be overproduced and in America we'd say Nashville got a hold of it because it has all these strings and all this other big production. But you see, when I look at this passage that we're going to consider here in Jude verses 24 and 25, what he's telling us is that we are home, that the nowness of faith in the only God blesses us with joy. God is bringing us home. There is, as we look at this, a progression of time, but for all time and now and forever. And we live in the now. And there is a nowness of the faith that we are given by God. The right now, the moment by moment, as Francis Schaeffer used to say. That the only God blesses us with joy as he brings us home. And I think in today's world where we see so much dysfunction and where dystopian literature and stories about a very broken and dark future world seem to be sometimes the most popular, God talks about blessing us with joy. That Christians are people that should be people of joy. He's going to present us blameless in the presence of his glory with great joy. Now in a few moments we're going to talk about the things that take away joy. But when you think about God blessing you, when you think about what God wants you, what he wants you in his presence is to be a people of joy. And so often the world just sucks the joy out of our lives. 
soon as I said that, I thought of Harry Potter and the, 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 the mentors. And what Harry says is that they suck the joy out of you. And sometimes in our world, it seems like there is so much that sucks the joy out of us. Now, when I read Jude, I thought of a very special 11th grade English teacher that I had who basically broke me from what my 10th grade English teacher had done to me and got me to love literature. And so for whatever reason, I thought about her because this, is, this would be an assignment she would have. Because when you look at the book of Job and you see all the references, all both the literary literary ones as well as the historic ones, the theological ones. His references to weather, the crops. He is the one who says that Jesus led the people out of 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 Egypt. He gives us that theological perspective. Now, one of the things that he does to keep bringing the reader back to the message is he uses the word beloved. This is personal for the writer Jew. See, we know because he tells us he's not an apostle. What does the text say? Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. He's extended family, but he's not an apostle. He's a servant. But he uses the word beloved. To those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept by for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. That's the way he starts off in verses 1 and 2. Then in verse 3 he says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Then down in verse 17, he says, But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus. And then the last one, verse 20, starting in verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Part of the central message of these last two verses is at the beginning of what we think of as verse 25. To the only God. That is fundamental, foundational 
When we think about God's people in the big picture, we think about when Moses started off and when the book of Genesis was written, in the beginning, God. In Egypt, 472 gods helped the god Ra get through the night as he died and resurrected and then the sun was raised up the next day. 472. That's more than one a day. And when you learn about the Egyptian gods, that often by they were the um, gods that, you know, they, they, they controlled both sides of good and evil. And then you think about what happened to Christians in Rome as Christianity began to move out into its age and its places. That it wasn't just the religious gods and and a lot of people believe that the roman and the greek gods came originally in their ideas from egypt that's another story but what we what we need to understand is that god's people have always been saying there's one god in a place which talks about many gods now we live in an age where there are conflicting stories and ideas, there is a conflicting story of secularism which basically ignores God, that God isn't part of the story, that God is left out. Yet, all around the world, we are becoming more religiously diverse. In other words, people used to live in a country that had one religion. They don't anymore. I'm going to say it. One of the things we know about (coughs) Prince Charles' coronation, because the script's being written, is that he will no longer be the defender of the faith, like his mother. He will be the defender of faith. Because the world, this island of Britain, is diverse in its religious life. And what's happening is that we're, we're losing people that were just culturally convinced of their religion to now it is the true believers that are left. And so whether it's any of the other world religions or Christianity, the people who are saying, I am a Christian, are people who usually are based in the Bible in their beliefs about God. And it says there's only one God. Our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you hear how economical both the doctrine of God and the doctrine of salvation are just expressed in those simple things? There's only one God, our Savior. That God is in the business of saving us. See, that's one of the things in the story of mankind is we, we look for saviors, we look for heroes. We want the government to take care of us in some ways. We want to be protected. 
But in this simple little word, our Savior, and then through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we see God's salvation plan and what he has accomplished. He is the one who loved us first. Now, remember when I said that something can steal our joy? Because we are to present it in the presence of God with great joy. What I want you to think about and give you kind of something to mull over in your mind are the four words that are used after Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. Those four words are are massive words, biblically. So I want to take the first and last to challenge you, to challenge myself. See, anything that steals the glory from God is an idol. An idol is when you take anything, even good things, and turn it into something absolute. So when you think about your life, Is God getting the glory over everything else in the world, in the creation? When you look out at the mountains and the sea and all that we are surrounded with, all that beauty, do you give him glory? Because he is the creator. If we're not giving God the glory, then we're giving that glory to some idol, something we have created or those around us have created. And that can kill your joy. Because lots of times you're going to end up believing in what we call a dystopian, a dysfunctional, a destructive, dark, evil future. The last one is authority. That's a big one. Because who or what has authority in your life is reflected in your joy. If you give the authority to men, to people, men and women, they are going to steal your joy because they're going to get it wrong, they're going to make mistakes. Only God can have the final authority. He is both the creator and the redeemer. He is the one who has communicated to us He has not left us in the dark. He has not left us silent. So when you feel your joy slipping away, that joy of knowing that you have been brought into the presence of God, and we're going to talk about that in just a second, but you feel that joy slipping away. And I'll be honest, oftentimes in... English literature, Christians are, you know, we're portrayed, and probably rightly so, as a bunch of sourpusses, of people who are always angry or uptight, mad with the world, rather than reflecting the joy of God in our lives because of who he is and what he has done for us. Because, you see, the blessing of being blameless in the presence of God is Now, the text tells us. Look at what it says. Who is able to keep you from stumbling. Some translators keep you from falling. 
The emphasis there is on who is able to keep you. Do you believe in this world that seems so unpredictable, so out of control, that there is someone to keep you? That you are kept by God? See, one of the things is that this, what I call a doxology benediction, just wraps us up with God's presence and with God's love. Who is able to keep you from stumbling? And then he leads us up to this important phrase, and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Do you believe the shed blood of Christ, what Christ did on the cross, what the Holy Spirit applies to us through the word and his presence, his conviction, changes his heart, that you can be presented as blameless before God, that his salvation Remember, the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Do you believe that that creates a blameless you to present in the very presence of God? That you are home now. That you are in the presence of God now because of the work of Christ. See, as a pastor, I can offer for you to come home but I can also encourage you that you are home because of what God has done. That's what this passage is all about. Coming home. Because home is in the presence of God. And see, here's why we always have to be tying the big story together. Why is this important? Where did this start? This started back in Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned and got pushed out of the garden, got pushed away from the presence of God. See, the whole story is about getting back to the presence of God. Now, that story arc of getting home, it's not a very old story, ultimately. You, know, you think about the Wizard of Oz, it's about how does Dorothy get home? And I think that's why, and, and I just, 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 just can't imagine a mother naming a Scottish person do you. That sounds like, in the United States, that is a surfer's name. But he was on a beach. But we've been restored to the very presence of God, that intimacy. Now, I'm not going to talk about all the political consequences of this, but I think one of the things that we need to be willing to regret when people migrate, when they move, they are looking for a home that they feel they've lost. So we of all people should understand when people are trying to find a home, it's there. Now I wanted to end with the last part of parts of the song. When, well, I've been moved and I've kept moving, proving the points that need, I needed proven. Lost the friends I needed losing, found others on the way. I've kissed the ladies and left them crying. Stolen dreams, yes, there's no denying. Traveled hard with confidence flying somewhere in the wind. 
And then his last verse. And this is where I'd love to sit down with some of you and say, okay, what does the last verse mean? And now I'm sitting here before the fire, the empty room, the forest choir. Flames that couldn't get any higher, they've withered now, they're gone. But I'm steady thinking my way is clear, and I know, I know what I'll do tomorrow. When the hands I've shaken and the kisses have flown, I will disappear. Do you know what you're going to do tomorrow? Do you know what you'll do with the memory of this sermon, with these verses, with this book? Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, and now and forever. Amen. His chorus that just is so profound and evidently a lot of people know it. And I thought about this, of how it applies to our relationship with Christ. Well, but let me tell you that I love you. And I think about you all the time. Caledonia, you're calling me, and now I'm going home. That I should become a stranger. You know that that would make me more than sad. Caledonia, you've everything I've ever had. Let us pray. Father, send your spirit to bring the word of God into our hearts, into our minds, into our memories, into our thought process every day. So that it might be our words that we want to tell you that we love you. That we think about you all the time. Father, you are so gracious to give, you, give us these words that bless us. Now, Father, help us to go out into the world. Help us to go out into tomorrow, knowing that you go with us, that you have already brought us home with great joy. Jesus, in your name, amen.